This is a Hot Pie Media Original. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, is professional therapy done securely online. I've gotten therapy. There's no shame in that ever. So if you feel like you need to take next steps, then stick around for a discount code at the end. BetterHelp will assess your needs, match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And since they are committed to facilitating solid therapeutic matches, they make it easy and free to change therapist if needed. You can start communicating in under 48 hours, schedule weekly video or phone sessions, and log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. It's available worldwide and more affordable than traditional therapy. And guess what else? Financial aid is available too. I think that's a huge statement about BetterHelp because, man, therapy is not easy. I know the year that I was going through my divorce, we wanted to go through divorce uh, care counseling the whole time. And man, we spent like $60,000, money that honestly we didn't have, but we were trying to help each other, help ourselves and having someone that will come in and support and make it affordable for all. You know, I think that's very important and speaks highly of BetterHelp. BetterHelp really wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website at BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P dot com. Read some reviews and take the next step to take charge of your mental health because you are an overcomer. Special offer for Overcome with Justin Wren listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Overcome. Again, that's BetterHelp.com slash Overcome. Welcome back to Overcome with Justin Wren. I'm really grateful for this episode. Amy, how badass is Raphael? Oh, gosh. Raphael's such a master. He's such a badass. Yeah. I really love him. So do I. He's one of the most special people in this world to me. He's been a training partner of mine. Whenever he made his Bellator MMA debut, he fought right before I did. And then I came in the ring right after he knocked someone out in about 14 seconds. <laughs> and then he just stood by the cage. I walked out. Actually, I had to go get checked by the doctors. And he ran right back out to be in my corner. And uh, it was just such a cool experience for that to be the start of his career, fighting right before me. And then his last fight winning the world championship in Bellator MMA, being the undefeated MMA world champion, and one of the most accomplished men to ever do the sport of jujitsu. I think our listeners are going to love this show today. What was one of the things that stuck out to you? I just, I think that I just appreciate who Raphael is, mm. like in his soul, like who he is. It emanates from him. And he has a really clear way of living and clear way of thinking. And I think that I like that because my mind feels like it's going in different directions a lot. And it sets a really cool example for me to just be like, oh, he makes things so clear. Mm. And I, I just love that. I mean, aside from all his accomplishments and, right. and the incredible, you know, business he has built and his champness. I guess yeah. You know. Well, I think that's, that's the thing. He's a champion in life, not just a champion in the cage, but outside of the cage, the way that he carries himself, conducts himself, the way that he's a student of life, student on the mats, but the way that he also teaches. I think that's something that's pretty incredible about him. When you say that about clarity, I think a lot of times, I mean, people are going to hear his humble heart. 
They're going to see the almost human chess match that he makes jujitsu and MMA. And I really think that they're going to see how clear he is on how not only he is about his own goals, but with the way that he clearly communicates it, just like what you're saying. He, exactly. He does that on the mats, though. And oftentimes, some of the best athletes or some of the best fighters don't become some of the best coaches. And yet he became one of the best athletes by first being one of the best athletes from jiu-jitsu. And then he turned around and started teaching. One of the best ways he became one of the best ever in jiu-jitsu was that he was constantly coaching and teaching guys so that he would clearly communicate how he does it and then watch them, show them how they can do it a little better. And then he's able to articulate that in such an amazing way on this show. How do you think that rubbed off on you? Well, I think being around him uh, inspires you to do a lot of the same things that he's doing, being able to sit there, watch, listen, learn, be able to train with him and feel the pressure. I'll say this about Raphael. I have trained with so many world champions in MMA and a bunch of world champions getting ready for the world championship heavyweight fight. Being underneath them is nowhere near. And and oftentimes in MMA to set this up, you put yourself in something called worst case scenario, which means you let a guy get full mount on you, which is like them straddling your chest and then they can rain down punches or choke on you or elbows, all sorts of things. They can twist your arm up. I've had you hold me down. I know (laughs) what you're talking about. It scares me playfully, but yes, of course, let's clarify playfully. But I mean, like, wow. Yeah. So we'll put ourselves in those situations and learn how to get out. Becoming comfortable being uncomfortable because if you get there in a fight, you can't crumble. Mm-hmm. You can't cave. You have to rise above and overcome. So Raphael is the scariest human in full mount that there's ever been. For me, he uh, he's the only guy I've ever been claustrophobic underneath. And he weighs 80 pounds less than some of these guys that I'm training with. He's tall they, though. He's six four. He's probably. tall. He knows how to use his weight. Mm, that's every incredible. every ounce of it you feel, and it's wow. it's suffocating. And then to learn how to be comfortable underneath him, which I'm never fully comfortable underneath him at all. That you know anybody can now get mount on me, and I'm just like, this is cake. <laughs> this is a cakewalk because he's made me so uncomfortable and learned to be comfortable there. That I know I can. I, for me, I feel com- comfortable or confident that I can. If I can handle him, I can handle anyone. Isn't that a metaphor for life, Justin? Yeah. Get as uncomfortable as you can, and then you can handle it all. Yeah. And I think what uh, our listeners are really going to love is how clear he is on his four words. I won't spoil those. Uh, Listen all the way to the end because we wrap up in an incredible way. I'm really, really glad you're here that I'm able to elevate the life mission and purpose of one of my best friends and definitely one of the greatest coaches I've ever had. So. Welcome to Overcome with Justin Wren. Buckle up, buttercups, because this is going to be a great episode. You're going to get so much out of it. And yes, and let's just say also you can find him at Lovato BJJ, Lovato, Lovato Jr. Jr. BJJ, BJJ on Instagram. On Instagram mm-hmm. And you can look him up in Oklahoma City if you're ever there and yes. get on the mats with him. He comes down to Austin frequently too. And the other day, uh, whenever we were recording this podcast, he came in right after training with George St. Pierre, Gordon Ryan up there at Roca with Tim Kennedy and Shanji Hibero. You might not know these names, but they're UFC Hall of Famers, the best grapplers ever in the world. Like, I mean, among them, they literally probably had 20 plus world championships among like three or four guys, at least 20, uh, mm-hmm. probably far more than that. 
closer to 30, which is insane <laughs> among those small group of men. So, and you can follow him at Timeless Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's also starting that because as people age, they think they have to get out of combat sports. And that is not true, especially with the art of jujitsu. You learn how to uh, flow with it. Yeah. And, and it's all on his website, lovatojr.com, L-O-V-A-T-O. Yeah, absolutely. Like Demi, as he says. Yeah. And we would love, <laughs> yeah, like Demi, and we would love for you to go and leave a review on this podcast. Please rate, review, subscribe, follow on Spotify, on Apple podcast or anywhere that you get your podcast. I'd really help the show. We'd be so grateful for it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now let's get to the show. Well, let's get into this. You excited? I'm ready, man. I, I'm, I'm really excited. You're here. Uh, tell me about what just happened. I mean, you just got here. We, we bumped the podcast back just a little bit because you had an incredible opportunity to train with one of the best martial artists, maybe of all times. Yeah. I would say so. Yeah, which I also consider you to be one of the oh, best thank you. martial thank artists you. of all times as well. Yeah, man. Uh, everywhere I go, I just I want to seek out knowledge and inspiration. And and uh, sure enough, I saw George St. Pierre, um, UFC Hall of Fame legend, world champion. Legend. Uh, yeah, by every sense of the word. Um, he uh, he posted a picture a couple of days ago, like on Tuesday. Um, you know, that he was here training and, uh, with John Donaher, Gordon and the crew there. And I commented on it and I was like, Hey man, I'm on my way. Like, I would love to get on the mats with you. It'd be amazing. And we started a little message and then Gordon got in on that too. And, and responded and was just like, yeah, come on over, come on over. Um, and so I got in Tuesday night yesterday. I wanted to reserve my first day for, for Shanji. And, um, we, uh, broke in his new academy and got our first training in there together. Um, but then today I was like, all right, I gotta, I gotta go over there. I gotta take advantage of this. It's like bucket list type thing, you know, to, um, just, just talk to him, just absorb some of that amazing energy and, and inspiration. And, um, sure enough, we, we were partners in the class. And so we got to talk a lot and, and work together and, um, had a great class, great time with him. We rolled a little bit, and just such an awesome guy. And so definitely like I'm on a little bit of a high right now. I can't Good. believe that that just happened. And you deserve that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And um, yeah, like I said, a dream bucket list type thing to to share the mats with him. Someone that's inspired me so much throughout the years, a true martial artist in every sense of the way. Like now he's not fighting anymore. His career, everything is, I mean, he, he you, you can't like you can't do more than what he's done really, mm-hmm. you know, but he's still learning. He's still training. He still keeps himself in great shape, you know, puts himself on the mats or in the, in the gym Academy, um, with, uh, with the best of the new generation, you know, and just keeps, keeps going. Yeah. And for me, that's just like, uh, I mean, that's, that's the way I want to live. And yeah. so, um, well, uh, I think he, that's the way you do live, to be honest. I mean, the, the thing I see about both of you are that you're true martial artist and for honestly, the other guys, you just shared their names, Gordon, Shanji. Uh, these are true martial arts that some of our listeners might not know, but Shanji's got probably over 10 world championships and yeah. Gordon Ryan's one of the uh, best pound for pound jujitsu masters in the world right now. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, that's, what does that mean to you being a lifelong student or a true martial artist? Well, it's just that, um, being a lifelong student and, um, 
you know, that's kind of the, the basis of it. You know, we start, you start martial arts, um, and you're a student first and foremost, you're just learning. And, uh, inside of that is just, um, being, being able to be humble, you know, your, your ego gets checked. Um, uh, of course you might be a very open-minded student, but, uh, there are other people that, um, already have a sense of, uh, I'm strong, I'm fit, or I wrestled, I did this, I did that or the other. And, uh, and then you get on the mats and you realize, okay, this is a whole nother thing. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to just be in a week or a month or six months or a year. It's going to be years, you know, yeah. years and years and years to, to get to, um, uh, you know, a, a competent level. And then, um, and, and so, you know, kind of swallowing that, um, and then just keep showing up. Right. And, uh, even after, you know, the, the goal is always to become a black belt, um, to, to be your, your black belt self, right. What does that look like? You know? And, um, and that's the, the fun part, the journey of creating your game, um, you know, your, your own little expression, your own personality on the mats and just learning and developing that. And then you get to black belt and you realize that you can still be much better, yeah. you know, and, uh, and it doesn't end and, and you just, you keep going and you keep refining. And then by that time, for me, the next level is to be a teacher, um, and to, to give back and share what you've learned, share your journey, share your experiences. And that will help you become even better. You know, like you can only hit a certain level of mastery, um, just thinking about yourself. Mm. Once you start giving back and teaching and helping others, the way you communicate, the way that you lift everyone around you, <clears throat> and then the way that circles and comes back to you, you know, uh, you hit a new level. And um, and that's kind of part two. And then the, the part three that's kind of in there as well, uh, as much as you like it to be. But for me, it's it's been a very heavy part, part of my journey and my career is is just the challenging yourself, competition. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, you can kind of stay in your own little comfort zone. Of course, in the beginning, it's not comfortable to be in a new school uh, and being a white belt and learning and coming up. But after so many years, you get comfortable there, um, you know, and uh, you're training with people that you're very used to and accustomed to. Um, and so uh, challenging yourself outside of that and competing uh, especially on like an international or world-class stage, um, trying to put your, your game up against someone else's, you know, your masterpiece up against someone else's masterpiece. Uh, that's where you really learn, you know, more than just technique, but also who you are, how you operate under pressure, how to dig deep and, uh, and, you know, you're, you're, you're going to lose and overcoming those temporary failures. And once again, keep showing up, keep learning. and. Um, and keep developing, um, that makes you better. And then it gives you more to teach, more to offer, makes you a better student. And that's, that's life. You just keep, you know, keep doing all of that as much as you can. And the beautiful thing about jujitsu is there's, there's age categories. So you can compete in your sixties, even seventies. Uh, there's an age class for, for you. Uh, and more and more these days you see matches with you know, gr- grandparents, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> grandparents getting out the there and, and scrapping a little bit, you know, total gray hair. And, uh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, how old is your dad now? My dad is 62 this year. This year he's 60, 
64. Yeah, and you... Gosh, how old am I? Okay. Yeah, no, he turned 64 this year. 64. Because I turned 39 and, and he's, he's still on the mats. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you'll ever get him off the mats, right? I mean, he just, he loves it. Yeah, that's the point. Uh, he was uh, just in my class on Monday night, actually. Wow. Um, and we rolled and, uh, you know, we just keep doing what we love. And then that's a beautiful thing. Um, it, it, it keeps you young. Yeah. You know, like you see someone like St. Pierre, Shanji, uh, my other friends, Cameron, um, they, they're aging so well. Mm. You know, that you look good, you stay young, you're around the next generation forever. Yeah. And uh and so there's these young, hungry guys coming up trying to put their name in the sport, um, make their mark in, in the history. And that keeps you young mm -hmm. and uh keeps you inspired, keeps you sharp. Um, and you just get to vibe off that energy and, and you never stop moving. Yeah. We're always moving. I think that's the key. Like it, the the saying, once you like if you don't use it, you lose it. Yeah. Like that's, that's real. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> you got to use it. You got to use this body yeah. every day. That's true. Body, mind, spirit. And I think it's awesome to think about how, yeah, they're keeping their body young, but because they're constantly learning, I think that's what I love about martial arts is that you could never know it all. Right. Um, not when you put all of it together, even in jujitsu, I don't think you could always learn it all. And it's, it's constantly mm -hmm. evolving. I remember when I came from wrestling to jujitsu, I was like, wow, there's so much more. Mm -hmm. I mean, wrestling is, is, is an incredible art in its own and it's, it's so hard to learn. And so, uh, I don't know that grinding mm -hmm. nose to nose, that hard nose style. But, uh, when I came to jujitsu, I was like, wow, the guys that just want to finesse or, or be all technical, like they can have their own game with that. We're mm -hmm. guys that can just be strength or guys that are combining it all. And you're a guy that just teaches so much about the fundamentals. And I mean, you have so much more than that, for sure. Without a doubt, you're one of the best in the world to ever do it. But I think that you always remind people and point out that before you get fancy mm -hmm. and, and, and want to learn this stuff, that is a high risk move with uh, not a lot of reward. If you lose that, you're like, what's going to win every time and yeah. what's going to be your bread and butter. And that's what I loved coming to Lovato Jiu Jitsu. Um, which I want to get in the story of how your father founded that, because I think it's so beautiful, you and him and, mm -hmm. and the legacy that it is. But I think that it was the most excited I was to join um, a martial arts academy because it wasn't just a fight gym. It wasn't just a fight school. Yeah. It was a true martial arts academy and school where you learn to be a martial artist first. And then... Um, to, to be pointed back to the fundamentals mm -hmm. and to be around you right whenever you had your first Bellator MMA fight, mm -hmm. you made your debut on, on my last fight there. And then all of a sudden it was like, you just skyrocketed, skyrocketed, still undefeated and the world champion. And that was such a beautiful thing to see witness, uh, play a small part in, and then just be able to be around that energy and learn and grow and be like, wow, look at this guy, look at the team he's got to see your walkout music being um, for the world championship, your father mm -hmm. uh, playing the, the organ. Right. Yeah, yeah. And you coming out to that, that was a surprise for him, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I, I told him like minutes before we were walking out, like when the fight before my fight was, was happening, I was like, Hey dad, uh, just want to let you know real quick. When we walk out there, you're going to hear yourself playing the organ. And, um, <laughs> You know, I, I just wanted to tell him then. So 
it didn't hit him and he didn't get too emotional uh, while we were walking to the cage. Um, so I told him backstage and we we hugged it out for a second mm. and that was it. It was like, OK, we're ready to go to war. Yeah. But um, but yeah, just I mean, man, that was like what it was seven, 2000 in the 2016 on to the end of 17 when when uh, you came in and we started training together. And it's just crazy how much has happened, life how much has life happened. has happened yeah. um, in, in a short period of time. And uh, definitely had some just cherished memories, cherished moments uh, inside of that time. But um, man, I don't know. You said so much and my mind is going all over. No, all well, over I this. would love to go to, well, how did you, I mean, you literally are one of the best martial artists walking the earth today. <laughs> and one of the most too accomplished, kind. Kind. one of the most accomplished Americans to ever do it. And you and your family, your father's legacy is that of the first two father, son, American Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts, right? Yes. We were the first ones. First ones. Mm -hmm. And this is before it was, uh, mainstream. Yeah. Before jiu-jitsu was, before UFC was, I mean, what uh, UFC came to the, in 1993, right? Mm -hmm. They fought in Denver, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And then you guys, when did y'all get your start in jiu-jitsu? And I mean, you and your father, mm -hmm. uh, senior, Rafael Lovato senior, how did he find the sport? And then how did y'all start your own academy in Oklahoma city of all places to start? It wasn't yeah. on the, the, the West coast, uh, you know, it was, it was in Oklahoma city. I yeah. mean, what was that journey like? How did your dad get into it? Well, uh, my father is a lifetime martial artist. Um, he grew up boxing, uh, in the South side of Chicago. Um, he, uh, his mom was a single mother. And so he was getting into trouble. Uh, as a young boy and uh, hanging out with the wrong crowd. And so she got him into the, the boys club and got him boxing to harness his, his aggression. And uh, that was his first experience with martial arts was, was boxing in Chicago. Um, and then, uh, and that's when he was idolizing Muhammad Ali. And later on, his next idol became Bruce Lee. Um, wow. And so then he, he went into a traditional martial arts, uh, journey and, uh, and went that route, um, and had always had martial arts close to him in his life. Um, and when I was born, we were living in Ohio and he was a professional organist there. So talk about, I mean, I don't think there's another black belt who plays the organ <laughs> professionally like, you know. And I've been to one of his performances and he is really, yeah, really good. I think Very that was good. at, uh, what was that? Not not Central Oklahoma, but Oklahoma UCO. City. Yeah. 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 UCO. Or OCU. Uh, one of those. Yeah. One of those. It was there. And uh, it was in the city, uh -huh. uh, not in Edmond. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's the Oklahoma City University. Yeah. Yeah. yeah OCU. OCU. Mm -hmm. And it was beautiful yeah. seeing that. And I, all of a sudden I just remember, well, your mom and dad are two of my favorite people. Your mom, I think is the only one that gives hugs better than you. <laughs> yeah. I think her hug might even be stronger than yours. <laughs> I, I, I agree with that because it shocked me with how strong her hug was. And she's amazing. She's yeah. such a sweetheart. Yeah. And they have supported you in such incredible ways. But I remember sitting there in the audience being like, wow, this guy isn't just a master of martial arts. I mean, he is the in real arts. deal. Yeah, yeah, in arts, all yeah. of them. He's a master of arts. Yeah, he uh, he's a very interesting kind of renaissance man. My father, um, 
unfortunately, he never never got to know his father. Um, his father passed when he was a baby, and uh, his, his father and his mother were very young um, when they had him, and so his mom was was still basically a teenager uh, when my father was a baby, and uh, and so uh, you know he grew up fast, and everything that he did was basically on his own. Um, he dropped out of, out of high school, uh, but went on to get a GED and become very well read. Uh, he's a historian. Yeah. Uh, you can talk to him about virtually anything in history from any part of the world. And he can, he can chop it up with you and give yeah. you, give you the dates and the people. And I've everything. talked to him about stoic philosophy yeah. before. Yeah. It was really interesting. Yeah. And then, uh, he fell in love with music and taught himself music um, learned how to play the organ, which is basically, in my opinion, the most complicated instrument there is. Yeah. Um, the, the multiple levels of keys for your hands and your feet right. at the same time. Um, it's pretty crazy. And he'll, he'll go back and forth with, uh, what he says is his greatest love, um, versus music and martial arts. Mm. Um, but of course, martial arts, uh, really did that thing for him that he needed. Um, being that he didn't have a father, right. um, it gave him an outlet and it gave him people to look up to. Give him mentors. Yeah. Just like he's done so well for so many yes. people. Yes. I mean, there's so, I mean, in the academy, I know so many people look up to your dad. Yes. And he really he took that like to heart. Father yeah. When I grew up inside the academy, he was always bringing people into our home and uh, taking care of people, you know, giving them love and, and guidance. Um, but for your dad, starting a martial arts academy in Oklahoma city for a sport that's not very well known at the time. Do you remember yeah. when it was founded? So let me circle back. Yeah. So we're in Ohio and he's playing the organ professionally, but he's training at a JKD school. Okay. Uh, so, you know, following Bruce Lee went into the traditional martial arts and then he, he found uh Jeet Kune Do um, instructors. Uh, and being that that was Bruce Lee's art, obviously he gravitated towards that. And he ended up spending a lot of time with, some of Bruce, Lee, Bruce Lee's greatest students, uh, particularly Richard Bastillo and Danny Inosano, two of the greatest martial arts wow. have ever lived yeah. as well. Uh, I mean, just masters of multiple arts. And uh, in Ohio, he was an assistant instructor at that JKD school. And that was my first little bit of growing up in the academy. I remember getting out of school, my dad picking me up and going to that academy. Um, and watching him teach or train, and I would be on the side playing with my GI Joes or whatever, and and just waiting for Dad to to finish training, and uh, and then I started um I actually the very first martial arts I did uh, structurally, besides for just training at home with my dad. I mean, he had me hitting mitts and doing stuff ever since I could barely walk, you know. <laughs> um, but the first structure training I did was was Kimpo inside that JKD school. Right. Um, and it Which was just post karate. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was just a good thing for, for kids to do. And, uh, I did that and tested for belts and stuff. Um, but then when, when I turned eight, we moved to Oklahoma and, uh, my dad also put himself through physical therapy school and, uh, was a physical therapist. And when we arrived in Oklahoma, he got a job as a physical therapist at a hospital, but being that he could never stay far from martial arts, um, he wanted to, uh, basically keep practicing. So he started a class in that hospital and it went from two to three students. 
on up to 30 students really quickly. And, uh, and then there was a little bit of a transition period where, um, we, we had a, a very small house, it was like a duplex. Um, and he was, he turned that garage into a little gym, a little, little school. People used to come over and work out with us there. And then in order to open his own school, uh, we got rid of that house and we actually moved in with my mom's parents who lived in Oklahoma. That's why we're there. She's from Oklahoma. And, um, and he put everything he had into opening up martial arts school. Um, and my mom and I would actually stay at my grandparents. Um, and my dad would sleep, sleep at the school. Um, you know, he was just all in and, uh, Dedicated, uh yeah. committed, and a little, you know, he's a proud Latino man. He didn't want to stay with the, with the in-laws, you know? And so he would sleep there and there were days where even my mom and I would, would stay there too. He had a, a couch bed in his office. Um, and that was basically the first year of, of, uh, of owning a martial arts school. And it was called martial arts international. Um, people used to call it MAI and that was our first school and it was a JKD school. And this was in 93. Um, wow. so he opened the school the same year as the, the first UFC. UFC. Yeah. And in the beginning we were very much just JKD, JKD, um, but inside of JKD, obviously, is is this mixed martial arts mindset mm-hmm. and philosophy. And Bruce Lee was way ahead of his time at wanting to learn and take the best of all martial arts and put it together to create your own style and your own expression of yourself. And uh, and so my my father was always very open to learning all martial arts. He never, no, no, you know, he was never like that. And, uh, even as a kid, I mean, he did boxing, he did traditional martial arts. So he, he saw the benefit of learning everything. And, uh, and, and basically all the best JKD instructors had that same mindset. And so, um, inside of JKD, we knew that there was that ground fighting existed and, and that there was a need to know how to fight in close range. Um, but the very first things that we learned were very like, rough, like shoot fighting, pancreation style stuff. They weren't that technical, um, catch us, catch can catch wrestling. And, um, and I did some of that as a kid, but then he discovered jujitsu in in one of the JKD, um, instructor conferences that they would hold every year in LA, they brought the Gracie's in. And this was right around the time of the first UFC. Um, he was just starting his school and everything. And my dad, he is not built like me. You know, he's much shorter, smaller guy these days when I was growing up and he was, um, in his thirties and stuff, he, he was walking around at 145. Um, so he was, you know, a smaller guy and, um, you know, jujitsu, he just, it, it just clicked with him. He, he loved it. And so he fell in love with it. And as soon as he came back, he started showing me, Oh, look, look what I learned, you know, check this out. Um, and keep in mind, I'm just a little kid, so I'm small then yeah. too. And, um, and so we kind of became training partners and he would learn stuff, come home, show me, practice it with me. And I was a, a big kid, so I was already kind of around how, his size. How old were you whenever you, yeah, I was going to say when you were about his size, matched him. Uh, like 12, 13 years yeah. old, I was, I was already around 145. Yeah. I was becoming a lightweight, uh, you know, MMA fighter. Yeah. 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 Sure. I was 235 in eighth grade. (laughs) 
What? <laughs> yeah, eighth grade. What? I was 235. Wasn't a good 235, <laughs> but I was 235. Graduated high school at 285. Oh my goodness. Because uh, that was the wrestling weight class. So yeah. I got right up to it. Um, but yeah, I could see how that, I mean, that's just beautiful that a father and son, like they had that re- kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. I think that's really adds to the legacy. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think it's beautiful to see a father fall in love with this art so much so that his son's not, not on the sidelines cause he can't be out there, but with his GI Joe's cause he's just a little too young. But once he was old enough, mm-hmm. I mean, he was teaching you everything that he learned. Yeah. And then you guys were getting great. I mean, phenomenal world-class together. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that's I mean, incredible. We, but we've, we've always trained together. Uh, I mean, there was him teaching me and uh, you know, just making me tough when I was, when I was, young. I'm an only child. So uh, he got to put all his energy into me and, and beat me up. You know, he was the one beating me up and uh, made me tough. Um, but then, yeah, as I got older and particularly with jujitsu, you know, with the striking arts, it's, it's different. Like the, you don't get as close and it's a different, you know, the, the feeling of two bodies working together harmoniously and, and understanding that you're trying to perform techniques I'm trying to perform techniques and there's, there's a strategy, there's thought, there's plan there, you know, uh, you, 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 uh, hit this new level of, 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 of a bond. Yeah. Um, and, and you guys do that also with, I think this would be interesting cause not, not everyone listening's doing martial arts right now currently, but, but you can almost relate it to martial arts, especially jujitsu is like a human chess match. And then you and uh, you and Papa Bear mm-hmm. would do chess and mm-hmm. Stratego, yeah, right, Stratego. together. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so I think always strategy games. My dad, he uh, secretly was just trying to make me into a, a combat like genius yes. or whatever. Since I was a young kid, and he, you are. Well, <laughs> he did a good I, job at that. I, you know, he, maybe he had some mad scientists. I don't know if he was doing it all on purpose. He was really thinking like that or what, or you know, it's just the things he was into too. Yeah. But. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were also very competitive yeah. and chess was one of the first things that I put all my competitive juices into with the goal of being able to beat my father. Um, of course, martial arts, I was too young and and he was too good. <laughs> uh, and so he always got the better of me. But uh, but chess was like, OK, well, when it came to chess, I, I have a chance. I want to I want to beat him. And um, when did and- you get there? You know, to be honest, I can't remember. Um, I, I mean, I remember winning games, but I don't remember how old I was yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. And, and, sure. and anything. But I remember how much it meant to me. Right. And I would really study and try to make the best move every time. Um, so but that was that was how we were. You know, we it was a lot more like I mean, I'll put it this way. Uh, you know, growing up inside the academy um, has its. It's beauty and then also has its hardships, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, being an entrepreneur and at this time, uh, mixed martial arts didn't really exist yet. Like the UFC was this barbaric thing. Um, and, and they made it illegal on pay-per-view. Yeah. yeah. But you could watch the porn on pay-per-view, but you couldn't, you couldn't get UFC. Right. And you almost didn't even want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was no, um, there was no market for what we were offering. Mm. Um, you know, it, That's it, was, hard. It, it would have been a lot better to be a karate school at that time. Right. To, to, we were too far ahead of our time. Um, and so 
the 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 business suffered because of that and um and so there was a lot of hardships during that time my dad had to work so hard and just 24/7 he was a one man show from you know doing um uh, doing you know answering calls talking with people as they came in teaching all the classes just every piece of the business he was front and center doing himself um and so uh, you know you didn't I didn't get a lot of dad time if if I wanted to see my dad, I had to go to the academy. Um, and then naturally I'm doing class or I'm training with him, learning from him, being coached by him. And um, and so, you know, it, it it was amazing and beautiful to share that with him. And we still do it to this day and we love it. Um, but you know, being a running a business, a family business, a small business like that, particularly in that that market um at that time was really tough. And there were just a lot of tough years where, um, you know, he wasn't sure, like he was, he was bouncing on the sides. He was trying to pick up any other, other side gigs that he could to, yeah. to make money. And so my, I, I didn't see my dad. We didn't yeah. see him at home very much. He was at the Academy all day. And then he would bounce in the evenings, um, even work with police and do ride alongs and help them. And just, he was hustling every way he could to provide for the family and, and then as things developed, as I became a teenager and, and we fell in love with jujitsu and we were trying to learn more jujitsu, you know, any, anything that he did have, he invested into me. Mm. Um, and you know, that's still like, it, it, I can still, uh, of course, as you, you grow up and you mature and you get older and you look back and you realize, uh, the sacrifice and the hardship and, and you see it. Um, from an adult eyes instead of a kid, kid eyes, um, you know, knowing how much my parents made my dream come true and what they put into me and, and my dad kind of sacrificing his ability to go travel and, and do fun stuff to, to put it into me so I could learn and get to where I am today. You know, I mean, if, if I talk about it more, I'll get really emotional about it, but that's, that's why fast forward, I, I, you know, he's in my corner for every yeah. fight. And, uh, for that title fight, I walked out to him playing the organ yeah. and just to, to commemorate, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't be who I am today by any means. Um, if it wasn't for my father and really the, the blend of my parents right. being an only child, I, I feel so lucky that I, I kind of got to get, uh, a lot of the, the best out of my parents in their own way. You know, yeah. my mom really balanced me on the, uh, kind of softer side. Right. Yeah. And my dad, you know, that harder side. And, uh, it's just beautiful how, how everything worked out. But yeah. she, she was so supportive of everything as well. I mean, yeah, she's, she's, imagine she's your mom, biggest cheerleader. Yeah. Uh, with, with father and son, just beating each other up all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love her and her sweet hugs, the biggest smile. I mean, just ready to greet anyone that walks in the door. And yeah, she is y'all's two biggest cheerleaders whenever it comes to that. And Deanna's also, but it's been, I, I can relate a lot because I'm the only child and my parents had a family ran business and, um, they were working seven days a week. They did it together. And then, uh, at dinner, sometimes it wasn't actually conversation about much, but work and, mm -hmm. and things like that. But, uh, but in many ways, they supported my dream too. I mean, they made a big sacrifice to where I could go 67 miles from Crowley, Texas and drive through Fort Worth, Arlington and Dallas to get to Bishop Lynch and learn under two Olympic gold medalists in, in wrestling. And so I can relate a lot. And um, 
So, I mean, I know that, that you would have plans, I bet. I've heard you say over the years that you want to be a father. And so when that time comes, what, what would be uh, an attribute that you would love to put into your children, um, you and Deanna, you know, being able to take on that role, just like your, your mother and father that did such a good job with you. Like what would be something you want to, you want to impart into them? Oh man. Um, I'm of course, selfishly, I would want them to fall in love with martial arts as well. Um, and it doesn't matter if it's a boy or a girl. Um, and I think a lot of that would be Hey, this is, this is what we do, you know, and I want you to at least have a basic level education to know how to take care of yourself, um, know how to use your body and, and move and, um, and, uh, just also just know what dad does, you know, what, what, what I've given my life to, um, and the people, the amazing, amazing people, uh, that I have in my life through that. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I would want to impart at least a, a basic level education of martial arts just for their own confidence, um, uh, understanding, um, you know, and then if they really take to it, uh, of course, the discipline, the respect, the humility, um, I think, you know, the same things you get from wrestling is just stuff where, uh, different sports or arts where, um, it's, it's solo, you know, it's just you, it, it really takes it up a notch to the character that you develop versus a team sport. Um, not to say team sports aren't amazing too, and, and working together, but jujitsu and martial arts wrestling, you work as a team, but then you compete as an individual. So you really get like this crazy depth of bond and understanding of being a good training partner, being a good human for other humans yeah, um, and, and lifting each other up and motivating each other and pushing and learning together, working together on a mission. But then you go out there and it's on you. Mm-hmm. And so then the responsibility is on you, how you overcome pressure and uh, temporary failures and, and what, you know, how do you stay calm and breathe and, and stay positive when everything's coming down on you. And uh, it, for me, it's just, it's so beautiful. And obviously I would love, I'd love to make my own little champions, Yeah, yeah for <laughs> but, sure. um, but at the, at the very baseline, you know, who knows, maybe, maybe they get my dad's music genes yeah. and they want to go all in on music, whatever. I want them to live their passion. And at the end of the day, that's what I stand for. You know, I, I, I'm, I feel that the best life is one where you live your passion and you go all in and that's where you can make the greatest impact, mm. you know, uh, for, for those around you, because, you're, you're living with love and, and inspiration. And, uh, and at the end of the day, I just want them to be, uh, inspired by that and, or see that influence from me and, and go do what they love. Yeah. Well, I, I love that. I bet Amy would have something on this because she's, she is a mom. A mom. Did I say a mom? You did. Uh, uh, Are you, did you go British? I went British. Yeah. yeah. I mean, why not? <laughs> but uh, she's a mom. She's got two girls, and uh, one's very musically inclined. One's very athletic. Mm-hmm. Uh, one's got a rock concert this weekend. Ooh, you know, uh, well, to to kind of go along with what you're saying, yeah, they just pick up whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. So when you have so much passion in your life about whatever it is, I think that that they do, and like. They've picked up music. They can carry a tune just because they've heard me do it forever. And 
And that's rewarding in its own way. Like you're like, huh, it, I'm rubbing off, you know, in some way. And, uh, and it's just such a beautiful uh, testament to jujitsu, which is what you just said about all the things that it can bring. You know, I think that about, yeah. about you and, and oh. all you, what a master you are. So yeah, thank you. Thank really you. beautiful. And yeah. then they're going to have my wife's energy. She, Ooh. you know, with Columbia mm. and, uh, you know, she loves to dance and the, the love of the family. And yeah, so I'm, and she's beautiful. So I'm a little nervous of, of the beautiful girls just having my number, you know, they're going to get what they want out of dad every time, but yeah, mama, well, at least mama, you're not gonna mama will to, be tough. Mama will, mama be, tough. will be tough. Yeah. And also I think you'll scare off any of the boys coming around I hope as so. they get older. That's but, the plan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I have a, an army of hundreds of jujitsu guys. Ready, I'm, ready I'm, I'm in that army. Yeah. I'm in that army for sure too. So you can call on me as well. Uh, I think I was telling Amy on the drive over. One question I wanted to ask you about was about love. I, we're going to get to jujitsu and dive into that, but I've, I've loved watching you fall in love. And what has that meant to you? Like having, I mean, Deanna support and her being there for you. And then what, What's one of the favorite things about y'all's relationship? Man, um, well, I, I'm a I'm a lover for sure. I I uh, I love I love being in a relationship. I love uh, coming home to somebody and sharing. And um, I, I like being on a mission together. You know, I'm on a mission with my team, and then I have a life mission, and I like to be on that mission. You know, with a partner. Uh, my life partner. And um, she's just been incredible for me. You know, she, she helped me through some very challenging times in my life, uh, particularly going through everything with fighting and the the brain condition and all that drama um, that just came out of left field and hit me hard. Right. Um, and uh, particularly with her background, um, you know, uh, a Latina and she's just like they, when they love, they love deep, you know, it's all in. And that's how I am. I'm an all in kind of person, uh, with everything that I do. Um, and so we, we compliment each other very well with that. And, and she's, she's just been amazing. You know, she, she moved from Miami to Oklahoma to be with me. And, and, and that transition is as extreme as it sounds <laughs> Miami, Oklahoma, little different, little, different. little different, uh, beautiful Miami and, uh, Oklahoma can be beautiful in its way, but you know, it's anything under 60 is cold for her. So, right. uh, she had to get a whole new wardrobe and deal with winners for the first time and, and all of that. And, and, um, uh, you know, that just, uh, seeing that that's how much she loves me, um, uh, just made me want to do better, um, in every way. And, and it's continually been that way. She, you know, uh, relationships, I think a good relationship is, is also a challenge, uh, right? Like, of course it's work and it, it requires effort, but anything worthwhile mm. requires effort, right? right? If, if it's, easy. It's not, it doesn't mean that much. It's not worthwhile. Right. Um, if you accomplish something and, and, and it's, you just got there, boom, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that much. Right. It's like if you win a lottery and you get a million dollars, 
okay, yeah, you're happy. But if you worked and built something and went through a whole journey to earn a million dollars, that, you know, that's a worthwhile uh, thing that, uh, that you're proud of. And so, um, you know, there's, she, she, she keeps me on my toes, man. She, she puts me in place whenever I need to be in place and keeps me grounded. Um, you know, and, uh, she, she truly makes me a better person and that's what it's about, you know? Um, like, yeah. And she, uh, she's very passionate and, uh, and uh, yeah, I just, I mean, I love her so much and it's beautiful. She man. brings out the best in me. Well, now that I'm not in Oklahoma city, I don't get to see you guys up close and personal as much, but I love watching y'all together. I loved being there. Um, seeing you guys get married and then also love seeing the, the pictures of y'all together. And she's, um, she's working in the Academy now, Yeah, that's great. Yeah, which has been beautiful. She's a uh, family legacy. Yeah. And she, she, um, really like, like, her character is perfect for that. She was an entrepreneur before, um, and she, she owned a business. And so, um, coming in and, and putting her, her skills and her eyes into that, uh, you know, she helps me so much. Um, and she also now can take a, a bit of ownership with, uh, with everything. And, um, and it's just beautiful. And it made me like in so many different ways, there's like these moments where I'm like, I'm, I'm, I love you even more now, you know, yeah. love you even more, love you even more. Um, and that was another, another time when she, she came in and she yeah. was like, well, she know. even jumped on the mats, jumped yeah. on the mats. Yeah. She's training. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's awesome. And I'm, I'm going to switch it up a little bit, but dude, thank you for sharing everything that you've shared so far. I opened this book. It's called uh, the daily stoic mm-hmm. by Ryan holiday. Yeah. And I opened this today. The, the obstacle is the way obstacle is the way I have those. I have those. Great. Well, I, maybe we can jump into that and how you can apply that to life from jujitsu, mm-hmm. from martial arts. But I thought this was, uh, applicable to me, but I thought maybe you'd get something out of it today too. Uh, it says, get active in your own rescue. Stop wandering about. You aren't likely to read your own notebooks or ancient histories or anthologies you've collected to enjoy in your old age, get busy with life's purpose. Toss aside empty hopes. Get active in your own rescue. If you care for yourself at all, and do it while you can. That was Marcus Aurelius, who's actually around my neck on this coin. That's an ancient Roman denarius. But uh, the purpose of all our reading and studying is to aid in the pursuit of the good life and death. At some point, We must put our books aside and take action so that, as Seneca put it, the words become works. There's an old saying that a scholar made is a soldier spoiled. We want to be both scholars and soldiers, soldiers in the good fight. That's what's next for you. Move forward, move onward. Another book isn't the answer. The right choices and decisions are. Who knows how much time we have you have left or what awaits us tomorrow. It's beautiful. Yeah. I thought it was, it was pretty powerful. I flipped it open to that one. I was like, get active in your own rescue. I I posted something, uh, on Monday, um, a little thing I wrote up and it was like basically about creating your masterpiece, Hmm. you know, uh, that life is short. There's no predetermined amount of time that we're going to be here, but that's also what makes it beautiful because Hmm. that's the motivation. You know, what, what can I do? with, with the time that I have, with the body, the mind, the voice, um, that, that you have. And, um, and inside of that, I think is just 
making sure that you live your, your passion, um, you know, and, and do what you feel your purpose is. And maybe you have to explore a little bit to find your purpose. But me, I was very fortunate. I found, I grew up into my passion. Um, but I think that that's kind of essentially life's purpose is to, to find that thing and then go all in on it and, um, and then make your mark as much as you can with that. And because you're going to touch people, you're going to reach people in a deeper way when you do what you love. Mm. Do you remember whenever I reached out to you the first time I was moving from Colorado to I Oklahoma do. city? I do. And, uh, then I started reaching out to everybody yeah. on the team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That I, I think I heard from one of the other guys before I actually responded to you. I think I got your message and I was kind of like, huh, let me, let me think about this. Let me figure out who this guy is for sure. And we're, you know, do my research. And then like the next day or whatever, a couple of days later, one of the guys was like, Hey, did you hear from, from this guy, Justin Wren, big pygmy? And, uh, I was like, yeah, I did. Um, let's talk about him. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, sure enough. Boom. Well, I had seen your, your flow grappling, uh, documentary, the American. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was right when they were getting going 2016. Yeah. And, uh, I think I was one of their first documentaries that they did. Yeah. And it was, it was incredible. So anyone listening, you can go look up flow grappling, Google the American Rafael Lovato Jr. Is the title the American because people used to always think you were Brazilian? Yeah, um, yeah, they still do. You know, Rafael. Yeah, instead of in Rafael. fact, in fact, uh, sitting there with Saint Pierre today, I had to, I had to let him know he thought I was Brazilian too. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's, it's still, it's still out there it's still as out much there. as I've tried to, I'm to American. E- educate everybody. I'm but Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, American, but from Spanish. I, I think, origins. I think that's why they, they titled it that. Mm-hmm. And, and especially at that time, um, there was, uh, you know, the jujitsu is, is very much Brazilian dominated. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though that was just five, six years ago, um, there just now recently was kind of a, uh, an explosion of, of more American, yeah. uh, jujitsu world champions, black belt world champions. There's been a, a couple more in the recent years on it.com slash overcome. You can save yourself 10%. Also right now you can save yourself 30% on total human, something that I am about to stock back up on. I know we haven't had it lately and I miss it so much because yeah. I was diligently Taking the morning human. support. Yeah, and feeling really good. In the night support pack. I love it. Well, well, let's order some right after this. Please. Yeah. Thank you on it so much for sponsoring this podcast, for believing in me, the show, our listeners, and also fight for the forgotten. Uh, I have on it black label right now. That is, I actually just took it. I, I took great. Alpha Brain. I took a regular packet today because I love those, yeah. especially before we what record. Flavor? Uh, I did the Blackberry Lemonade. Yeah, is that what it's what it called? Is, yeah. Let me see. Hold on. I think it's blackberry it lemonade. Um, yes, blackberry lemonade. It's That's one is like my favorite, I think. Yeah, I love that I know, one. it's proof. Uh, in the Focus Shots for Alpha Brain, I mm-hmm. love their Tropical, which has passion fruit in it. It's my favorite fruit in the world. Reminds me of being in Africa and going and picking passion fruit in the bushes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, yeah, so Alpha Brain Black Label, that I think is incredible as well as their Focus Shots. I love normal Alpha Brain. I've been taking it for eight to 10 years now. And to have the the stuff with a little bit of caffeine in it, um, that's plant derived. I really like that because I feel like it just kind of takes it up a notch and I get in that flow state 
quicker and I stay there longer. Mm, keeps you in the zone. Keeps me in the zone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you, Alpha Brain. Uh, thank you, Onnit. <laughs> and uh, onnit.com slash overcome. Save yourself 10% and also get yourself 30% off total human. Again, onnit.com slash overcome. Onnit.com slash overcome. Now, back to the show. Which you were the second to ever win the Black Belt World Championships. Is that right? Uh, when I did it, they said second, but then it's the kind first? of been, it's kind of been uh, uh, reanalyzed, I guess. And, and, and they officially I'm the third. The, okay. Robert Drysdale has both Brazilian and American citizenship. Uh, I believe his father was Brazilian. His mom was American. But he grew up in Brazil, but then went to high school in the U.S. And so he kind of had a little bit of both. He was living in Brazil when he won the Worlds. Um, but he was in 2005. I was in 2007 and BJ was the first one. Right. BJ Penn. Um, what year did he do it? Did you do 2000, it for, uh, 2000, 2000. Yeah. So yeah. the first year I went to Brazil was 99 and that was life changing, uh, in many different ways. Yeah. Uh, so what was I, it like? I had just turned 16, 16 years old, I traveling just turned to Brazil. 16. Without my parents. Wow. Yeah. There's only enough it's money to, with to get one of the us world. there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm from Oklahoma and I'm seeing a third world country, barely 16. My birthday was at the end of June and I go in July. Wow. And so very green, you know, very young and boom, I see, uh, I see real poverty, real hardship, real, you know, uh, crime. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was very eye opening. Yeah. Right from the beginning, as soon as we arrived, that drive from the airport to get to a nicer area is, uh, is yeah, it'll, it'll hit you if you've never seen anything like culture that. Culture shock. All I've the favelas, it. all yep. the favelas. Yeah. Crazy culture shock. Uh, and I remember once we got to the hotel, I, I go with a group of Americans from Texas. That's where um, our, our first uh, jiu-jitsu professor, Carlos Machado, mm. uh, he was the first Brazilian to move to our area of the country. You know, my father and I, we were just on our own at all times, learning from tapes or the couple of trips he would do a year to go to California. And then uh, Carlos moved to Texas um, uh, like in 95. And uh, and so right when I was around 12 years old, um, we were able to start going down to see him, 12, 13 years old. And I think he got there at the end of 95. So it was like 96. 96 was the first time I went there. And uh, we were just driving um, down to, to train with him in Dallas. So, you know, very similar driving three and a half hours each way. Um, and we would go like, my dad would go every week. I would go when I didn't have school, but, uh, but he had a, a group of competitors there from Texas and I, I went down with them. And I remember after we got there, you know, of course it's a long trip, you know, it's like a 10 hour flight. Um, and everyone passed out, wanted to take a nap. Uh, once we got to the hotel, and I was just wide awake. I was just like, whoa, I can't believe I'm in another country. I can't believe I'm in Brazil. Like that was crazy. And, and, um, I wanted to take a shower and this was, this was funny. You had to like light, um, a furnace, right. To get hot water. Right. I didn't know that. I've never (laughs) experienced that. And, um, and so I took a cold shower and I was like, dude, they don't have hot water here. <laughs> like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, which is it the other? No, which way? Like, how do I get? Hot? No, I didn't know how to light the furnace. I didn't even know where the furnace was or anything. I never done that before. Um, 
And then uh, there was just several other moments, you know, where, I mean, all the homeless people and um, I'll never forget this too. And we were in a taxi ride. This is, this is pretty sad, but just to paint the picture. And I know, I mean, we've heard your stories, things that you've gone through and seen in the Congo. I mean, this way more insane than this, but but one of the things, one of the things that really struck me, you know, all the homeless people and uh, you know, they're begging for money, trying to get money. And man, we were on a taxi ride and I'm keep in mind, I'm just barely 16. I'm in the summer between my sophomore and junior year of high school. Um, a woman begging for money comes up right onto the, the taxi window and she pulls her shirt up and puts her breasts on the window and you can see the lumps, mm. you know? So she was suffering Breast from cancer, yeah, from wow. cancer trying to you know, ask for money to help. Right. And I was just like, whoa, yeah. whoa, you know? So I, as soon as I went back home, I was just like, man, life is good here. Yeah. And I was just all of a sudden, gra- this extra sense of gratitude. I mean, I think traveling is the best education oh, yeah. you can have for life. And yeah. that's one of the best perks of what I do is getting to travel the world and teach and, and learn and experience all the different cultures. But, um, but that, that shook me, that yeah. shook me. I was like, Whoa. And I was like, so kind of depressed. And I remember trying to train after that. And I was just like, man, man, we have it so good, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, um, and then of course everything else with fighting at the worlds and just, yeah, all of that. But, uh, as far as the jujitsu goes, I was just greatly, greatly inspired after seeing you know, the best in the world compete in Brazil, in the motherland. And then the next year I got to watch BJ Penn win the worlds in 2000. When I went the next year, you got to see it live. I saw it live. That's incredible. And, uh, yeah, shout out to BJ. That's, uh, that, that was life changing. And right then, right there, I remember telling the guys next to me, I said, I'm going to be the next one to do that. Wow. Um, I was still, I mean, I was just 17 blue belt. So I had some years to go, but, uh, sure enough, seven years later, I was able to do it. Yeah. That's incredible, man. What an inspiring story. And I think the contrast or I don't know if the word's dichotomy or what, where it's just like the, the, some of the best in the world to ever do it are coming out of a place that oftentimes they're fighting, scrapping to make it out of. Yeah. And, and you've experienced that when your fight camps, you were going down mm-hmm. to Brazil while you're fighting for the MMA world championship and to get there. You're going down there to Curitiba, mm-hmm. Brazil, and uh, I probably slaughtered the word how to say it. Oh, you're good. Uh, and training with people like Vanderlei Silva and all these up and comers that this is their way out of poverty, yeah. out of what you just saw for the first time whenever you were just barely 16 years old. Yeah. And yeah, Brazil has had a very, it's been very near and dear to me in my martial arts journey. Um, it's kind of been there. Uh, you know, side by side with me the whole time, uh, in the early years going to Rio and Sao Paulo for jujitsu all the way from the end of the nineties into the two thousands into the teens. And then, um, I switched to MMA and then I started going to this new place in Brazil, Curitiba, where they're famous for the Muay Thai and, and their MMA, mm. um, history. And then I had this whole other experience with Brazil and relationship to Brazil beyond jujitsu. Now it's Muay Thai and MMA. And, um, 
And man, I, I love it. You know, fighting in Brazil, competing in Brazil, you know, back in my time, you had to go to Brazil for jujitsu. Now, uh, you know, people just, they don't realize how spoiled they are to have so many world-class high level jujitsu greats to, to learn from and have access to, uh, right then, right, right there, you know, all over the country, all over the world. And, um, and, you know, for me, I was, I had to go to Brazil to get that. Um, and as hard as it was, I'm so grateful that I came up in that time and I got to see it. Uh, it wasn't the roots roots, but the, the all, almost, yeah, almost, sure. uh, as far as the sport goes, maybe right. not the art, but as far as the sport itself goes, it basically was still in its roots. I mean, I was there at the third world championships. Wow. Um, and now they're 25 plus, uh, and so, you know, I, I, I'm so grateful that I got to see it in that pure form before, before media, you know, social media, the internet, and you could be like famous, right. um, when it was just about doing what you love and representing your team and your family and the passion, that energy, man, it gave me goosebumps, you know, and they're in there shirts off, banging on the drums, like, you know, and guys just ah, like the the screams, the the chants, they were chanting and the everything. It was just like, whoa, this is, I mean, that was me at 16 being inside of that. Yeah. I was like, this is raw. This yeah. is very, very raw, you and, know? And two of your brothers, uh, uh, Shanji and Salo, they basically came out of the jungle, right? Yeah. The Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. yeah. I just said that in a post, <laughs> like never in my life. Cause today's Shanji's birthday. Yeah. Much Happy love, birthday, Shanji. Much love to my yeah my brother from another mother. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I never thought being a kid in Oklahoma that I would have an Amazon brother, Amazonian brother, yeah, <laughs> but I do. You, you do. Know, and I have brothers all over the world. And I love that picture of Shanji that is, you know, he's jumping over the cage yeah. and before the fifth round uh -huh. of your world championship fight against Gegard Musasi, which you had to dig so deep. And he mm -hmm. was able to, because the cut man's getting in there. So two guys can't yeah. go in. Yeah. And so, uh, he's and Mauricio, my yep. head coach, um, who's also a brother. Yeah. Amazing, exactly. amazing human. He was inside, but I told Shanji, just make sure you get that ice pack on me. And I wasn't expecting to get cut, you right. know, but then I do. So he can't go in and he still gets that ice pack on me, yeah. you know, climbs over the cage and then he's yelling in my ear one more takedown for your life, for the rest of your life, yeah. you know, and just giving me that energy. You got this. You can get this round. One more, one more takedown, you know, telling me I was just, I just, I remember starting to nod like, yes, yes, I can do this. I can do this. You know, him and Mauricio, same thing. Just one more round, yeah. one more round. And you knowing that your father's right there in your corner as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just beautiful. I, I love that picture. People should go to your Instagram uh, to see that photo because his butts the highest thing in the air and his feet are completely off the ground yeah, yeah. and he is reaching as far down as he can to I put that ice back on you. You have it pulled up. Isn't that beautiful? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. And if you look at the one before, so that's him having my back being in my corner, you know, and then there's me having his back being in his corner at one of the most epic ADCC matches of all time. Um, and Shanji got a headbutt. And that's actually yeah. the first time he had ever been cut. So I, <laughs> I, gave, all those years of I gave him a bunch of, you know, uh, I gave him a hard time after that. I was like, man, you made it all these years doing combat and you just now got cut. Me, I get cut. I was getting cut like all the time. You know, I've probably been cut in my face around my eyes over 20 times for sure. Um, and, but yeah, but how 
freaking savage that picture. Yeah, look at his face. I mean, he's just like he's focused. Epitome of a warrior. Yeah. Just both it. of you guys. What's that moment like where so for me going into a fight, I'm excited and I'm looking forward to it and I'm pumped up and I'm focused, but I don't get the same type of nervous energy I do whenever someone I love, you walking in there to fight. Um, so seeing Shanji go in there and you're getting them pumped up, getting them excited. Uh, what are the things you're looking to do whenever you're instructing someone, whenever you're coaching? Cause you're, you're one of the greatest coaches also, not just competitors. And that's a, that's a different skill to also be a great teacher and coach. Yeah. And, and you know, to be honest, um, I, I have a, a great sense of passion and love for that. I mean, that's, that's something that particularly with competitors and, and coaching competitors, um, because I, I never had a, a coach for many, many years, basically until I was already a black belt, uh, whenever I got close to, to Sensei Solo and Shanji. And even then they were competing at the same time as me. So, uh, not, not always could they be in my corner. Um, and you know, I grew up just traveling uh, all over to these competitions and kind of competing by myself and not having a coach. And I would always think about what I wish someone would do for me and, and, and how they would be there for me. And then I tried to, um, you know, give that to, to my students, uh, whenever I coach them. And then of course, someone like Shanji that I love so much, um, you know, the, the number one thing I think is just like, of course you have to read the, the individual, some people do better with, with that, that kind of fire energy. Mm -hmm. uh, I know I they, do. They, they need that. Yeah. 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 I definitely felt that from you. And then there are others that uh, need to be calmed down a little bit, need to be brought down. Um, Shanji, he's notorious for being almost too relaxed. He's, he's so technically efficient and really doesn't make mistakes that he can kind of just go on cruise control. And in that particular match, he was facing someone who was about 50 pounds heavier than him. And uh, on paper, the, the greatest of all time. He's won more world titles than anybody else. And he's a great guy, a legend, an inspiration. That's Marcus Buchecha. Buchecha. And, um, and so this was an epic match, one that we had talked about for a long time. And I'd actually competed against Buchecha the year before. And, um, and, you know, we were really excited for this match. And it was first round. It happened like first round. I was like, whoa, we're, we're doing this match right now. And it was the absolute, the open weight. And, um, and so I just wanted to get Shanji fired up. Um, cause I didn't want him to start too slow and, and let Bushesha, you know, get ahead and, and stuff like that. Um, so when I coach Shanji and, and usually for the most, most of the time, uh, you know, there are a few people I I'll see, okay, well, I'm going to actually bring them down. They're a little nervous They're you know, I just keep them calm. Um, but with Shanji, I was trying to fire him up. And, and if, if you, watch that match on flow grappling. You can hear me yelling the whole time. Um, I, I don't think I really stopped. I was giving instructions, things that I could see, you know, you always want to tell them what, what you see, um, that maybe they don't see, you know, and, and kind of getting in the, the head of their opponent. I can see what their opponent's thinking and wanting to do. And then I'm trying to give Shanji the heads up. Um, but then, uh, whenever I'm not instructing, I'm just trying to be positive, positive and give him fire, like push. You can go, you can do more when things are going bad. You're okay. Relax, breathe, 
you're going to like, he, he got caught in a, in a bit of a choke position in that match. Um, it wasn't close, but, um, it was something where the other guy, you know, might like really try to, to, to finish Shanji. And, um, and I, of course, I believe in Shanji's defense and his escapes. I believe in him and everything, but, uh, in that particular moment, I was just like, you're fine. You're going to escape. You're going to turn this into a good opportunity. Stay calm. You're good. You know, you keep them calm when you need to, but always positive, positive, positive. And, um, and when the match is picking up speed, there's a, there's a, a scramble or, you know, where you have to explode. Then I'm just like trying to follow that energy and like, yeah, go, go, go stick up, you know, stick with it, stick with it, stick with it, believe in it, take it, take it. It's yours. Go, go, go. And, and I, I try not to say things that are like, I think you can, you know, it's always you can, and you will, you mm-hmm. know, you will escape. You will come back. Don't worry. You have time. You're going to come back. Not let's try to come back. Yeah. You know, that that's not that the same. Do anything, yeah. 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 That's not a lot of belief in the voice. Right. That's right there to, to coach you through mm-hmm. to, to victory. Thing that I love, uh, one of one of my favorite times to ever train, and all the years and all the places I've done it is obviously with you, but on competition day, yeah, and sitting or the competition there, training, competition training, yeah, yeah. Saturday competition training. We have Saturdays. a world famous competition yeah. training Absolutely. Saturday mornings. Uh, yeah, those that's definitely my favorite day of the week. That, that's where my, of course, I'm I'm doing most of it with everybody, but. Uh, uh, you know, I think as a teacher, I, of course I love to teach technique. I love to pass on knowledge and, um, you know, the, the details and the concepts and, and all those things, uh, the, the artistic side. But what I really love is to inspire people, just yeah. inspire people to, to fight for their dreams, to give their best, to, to, to work hard, you know, to feel some pain, to feel yourself depleted and give your best. And you have to do that in training. You know, it has to become, uh, like an instinct, like a, like a a habit, right? It has to be a habit to go that far. And so whenever we're training on Saturdays, I, I just try to make, a a, um, an understanding that guys we're here today. Yes. We're working our technique, mm. uh, and we're, we're honing our skills, but what we're really here to do is work our heart and our minds mm. and give our absolute best and push each other hard, uh, lift each other up when we need to, just so we can go hard again, you know, and go to that. I got nothing left level, uh, and then passed and then one more, you know, and, um, and when you can train your mind and your heart to never break and keep going, man, then you can do anything, you know, yeah. and, and that's it. And that's what I want for my, my students, like all of them, but especially, uh, the ones that want to compete and challenge themselves on a, on that level. Um, I, I don't care if they lose matches because the other person's better. What I care is when they have more and they kind of gave up on themselves. You know, they didn't, they didn't go all the way. And as long as I can train them to go all the way, um, it doesn't matter to me win or lose. If they, they fight and leave everything out there. And, you know, that's one thing my dad, my dad, he, he said so many things to me when I was a kid that when I look back on it, it's just like, 
wow, that was like heavy. It was, it was kind of intense. But then as a kid, you just soak it all up. Yes. Yes. And one thing he used to say to me is uh, a, a saying very similar to what Carlson Gracie uh, used to say, but um, basically he would tell me very much, very similar. Like it's not about winning or losing, but you make sure whoever beats you, they remember your name. They, you earn their respect. He would yeah. tell me that. Yeah. He's like, you, you let them know that you were there to fight and, and, they, and they remember you. He used to tell me that. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that's, 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 that's pretty, pretty intense dad. You know, <laughs> but my dad is an intense man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, back then it was like, yes, sir. You know, um, and, and I've carried that with me my whole life. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, I believe that's, that's it. Like if you don't give up, you know, the quote I have it on the back of my shirt, you, I know you've heard me say it a million times, but victory is always possible for the person who refuses to stop fighting. I mean, that's, that's how it had to be for us because I wasn't on that level. You know, I was going to Brazil. We didn't have uh world-class jujitsu right there in Oklahoma. You know, I, I took my, I took my losses. I took my beatings and I kept showing up. And yeah. I mean, I've been beat up in every stage of my life, <laughs> you know, growing up, my dad beat me up, <laughs> you know, and then in the academy, I had guys beating me up. And then when I got to a place where, you know, I was a big kid and I was kind of the best in Oklahoma, then I'm going to Brazil. I'm going all over the world. I'm getting beat up somewhere else. Then I get to a pretty good level and I meet Salo and Shanji mm. and I would travel all over the world to be with them so they could beat me up, <laughs> you know, and then I get to a level in jujitsu where, okay, I'm not getting beat up so much anymore in jujitsu time to do MMA. Let's get beat up all over again. <laughs> and then I'm going to Curitiba, Brazil and getting beat up again over and over and over again. Now I'm getting old. Now I got Victor Hugo and these young guys beating me up. So just keep getting beat up. <laughs> That's the secret. But I think, I think, yeah, let's go into that. That being the secret, almost the obstacle is the way always taking on a new challenge and then just being consistent. I think that that's one of the most inspiring things I've seen about you is I think you're one of the most healthily obsessed with being Maybe better. Not always. Maybe not always, but, but the consistency to always show up. Um, I think that can be a challenge for me. Someone that struggles with uh, addiction being all in or all out mm -hmm. where I want to be all in Um when it comes to martial arts and I'm, I'm wanting to make a comeback to, to MMA. And so it's, it's really inspiring to me wherever anyone else is in their life, um, whether it's work, job, their passion, you know, uh, the guy that's, that's behind you is he's, is that sign is Doug does art. I remember he shared a story about this dream. Now he's got TikToks with like 68 million views on it. And there's like a whole slew of them, like 10, 20, 30 mm -hmm. that have like, tens of millions of views, but he was in a family business. It was a landscaping business and he had to make a choice. Am I going to just be part of the family business, which he wanted to do? Or is he going to follow his passion, which is outside of that scope? Mm -hmm. And is he going to pursue this with love and passion? And is he going to show up mm -hmm. consistently? And is he just going to do it? And he was releasing these videos, not getting anything really on it, not really getting anything on it, putting all this time into it. But I think there's something that you can speak to there. That's just like, what, what's the importance of the belief in the passion that you have and then the consistency to show up and, and see it through, mm -hmm. even through the obstacles or headed yeah. towards the obstacles. And that's where I think it has to be 
you fulfilling your purpose. You know, if it's something that you're not passionate about, you're not fully in love with, uh, you're not going to keep showing up. Um, I mean, you're going to get tested and have those breaking moments, even when it is your passion, of course. Um, and you know, going back to Napoleon Hill, his quotes, it's like, your, your greatest success is always one step away from your greatest failure. The greatest failure is just quitting. Mm. So if you keep going, I, I, I'm an optimist and I, I'm a believer. I always believe in myself. I believe everyone can do anything, um, anything they set their mind to. I really, I, I fully believe that. And, and I think it is your destiny to do that. Um, so, you know, keep, to keep going that, that believe going all in, you have to go all in, you know, you can't really have a plan B. It has to be, everything's on plan A, you know, um, for it to truly work because then you're not all in. And if you're not all in, how do you expect to get the results? If you're still, uh, I'm still over here, you know, um, you know, when I, when I was a brown belt, I was in college. When I graduated high school, I went to college. My, my dad really, he didn't want me to live martial arts as my way of life, as my business, you know, or however I, I made money. Um, because remember at that time, it still, it wasn't making money. Right. <laughs> he was losing money. Yeah. He was investing more than what he was making. Um, and he, you know, we both never imagined it would be what it is today. And I'd have, you know, these opportunities and UFC, mixed martial arts, Bellator, everything would be as big as it is today. Jiu-jitsu, my goodness. I remember, I mean, you lost money doing jiu-jitsu. You didn't make money doing jiu-jitsu. You lost a lot of money. We spent thousands of dollars to go to Brazil and compete for free. Uh, thousands of dollars to go somewhere to train and learn one move, you know? Um, that's how it was. But now it is where it is today. And I was in school and it still didn't see that possibility. And, uh, and I, I was a brown belt. I, I knew I wanted to be a black belt world champion, but I knew that I couldn't, I, I hated school to be honest. At that point, I just really was not into it. And I, I made really good grades in high school. I was almost a valedictorian actually in my class. Um, and like that should have been something I was good at, but my love for jujitsu was taking over and I wasn't doing that great in college. I didn't want to be there. Um, and, uh, finally I got the courage, you know, I actually, I, I met Solo. I competed against Solo. That's how I met Solo. Um, and we stayed in touch and then he came, my dad brought him for a seminar. We trained and he gave me the opportunity. He said, go to Brazil, um, and stay as long as you can train with my brother every day. Uh, we have the team there. We'll make sure you're set up. Um, and I had a sponsor on the mat.com, right. Scott, Scotty Nelson. Uh, who I was just with a week ago, um, they have a house, like a, a hostel. Well, it was nicer than a hostel, but it was a house um, in in Brazil where they were housing foreigners to come stay and uh, and train in Brazil, compete in Brazil. And so he had the, he basically was sponsoring me to stay there. Um, you know, I just had to pay the bills, but I didn't have to pay rent. And so, and I had that opportunity from Solo I was like, finally, someone's given me the opportunity to really be a part of a team and mentor me, you know, and Salah was a legend. I was like, okay, I got to talk to my parents. <laughs> and so I sit him down and I talked to my dad and I was like, look, I, I can't, I can't look back with any regrets. I have to know that I went all in. 
So I'm going to drop out of college. <laughs> and, um, and it took a little bit of persuading, but he got it because he, he lives his passion. Right. Um, and he, but he knew that I would need to make money someday. And so he made me promise to go back to school, which I never did. But, um, I dropped out, racked up a bunch of credit card debt, flew down to Brazil, stayed there for four months. And that was it. That was the beginning. And then I became a black belt and I kept charging up that credit card, charging up the credit card and then moving the balance over to another, you know, I was doing that to, to get by, um, as I was training with Saul and Shanji in those early years. And then things started happening yeah. and it started paying off. But I, I just believe that that's, that's what has to be done. You know, you look at any, any successful person uh, in business in athletics they all have something like that. You know, even Michael Jordan was cut from his high school team. He could have quit then. Oh, I'm not that good at this. You know, everyone has a point where they're going to be tested to want to quit. And, uh, and that's the most important moment of your life. You got to make that sacrifice and push all the chips in. Yeah. Just like you did. Have to double down. Yep. I love that. Well, let's, let's talk about maybe in closing, I'm going to put you on the spot at the end. Uh, I'm going to ask for a competition training pep talk, maybe at the, the end <laughs> as we, as we close up, but I would love to talk about, um, Gegard Mousasi and, uh, your fight for the world championship in Bellator MMA and uh, a little bit of what you were going into that fight with hanging over your head. And then, um, I mean, how you had to dig dig deeper than ever before to get that championship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of mentioned it earlier in our conversation, but, right. um, out of nowhere, um, for this fight, there was the first fight I, I did where I was required to get a brain scan done. And, uh, cause you're fighting in London at the O2 arena. Right? Yes. Yes. And in the U S the only places that require a brain scan is California, California and New York. Right. And I had never fought in those states. Um, every other place I fought in, it wasn't required. And is I that after 30 or 35, I think, in California, New York? I don't think you have to do it for every fight. Maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm anyway, not sure. Go ahead. Um, so, yeah. And because I never had a concussion, never had any issues. I mean, I, I hardly ever even get headaches. I don't even really right. get headaches. Um, yeah, I just never had a reason. To right. get a brain scan done. Never been knocked out because you're always taking people down and, and controlling them. And yeah. put For the most part, yeah. I, I had a pretty clean career right. up to that point. I'd never been in any danger in any mm -hmm. fight. Uh, never been hurt or anything. Um, so anyways, they required it. So six weeks before the fight, I go and get my routine scan done. And um, sure enough, they discovered something. Um, and the guy really kind of delivered it to me in a very not cool way. He's just like, uh, yeah. you got a problem. You shouldn't be doing what you're doing. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, look at all this. And he showed me. And I'm like, okay, but I'm fine. What are you talking about? You know, I don't, I don't get what you're, what you're saying or what you're seeing here. Cause I'm fine. And, um, anyways, I mean, it's, it's kind of a long story, but to keep it short, I come to find out I have a condition called cavernoma. Um, it was something that I was born with and for the next four weeks of camp and literally the next day I was flying to Brazil. Um, 
I had no idea <laughs> what I was doing, what, if this fight was going to happen because I couldn't get anyone to write a letter to approve me to fight because I have a disease in my brain. Um, and that's was, that was the next four weeks of my camp, the prime time camp time, right? The most important crucial right, time. Right. Uh, and I'm in Brazil and we're going hard, you know, and I'm just, I'm not sleeping. I'm depressed. I'm crying multiple times a day. Why? Because number one, I'm worried about my health. I'm like, okay. And I'm read. of course I Google and then you just read horror stories. Yeah. WebMD. Yeah. You read <laughs> horror stories you yeah. of people that have the same thing that have, they go into comas and seizures. They have to have brain surgeries, multiple brain surgeries. Um, and it's possible for even death. Right. And, and for uh, cavernoma, it kind of makes these little caverns or caves or of vessels. vessels, these vessels, um, grow for whatever reason you, you grow these extra blood vessels in your brain and they kind of wrap together like vines Okay, and they have the tendency to bleed, um, but very little at a time. They call it oozing. They'll ooze blood little by little. Um, and in, and of course in extreme scenarios, people will have a lot all over, all over that, that really bundle together and bleed, uh, extensively. And then they have to remove them. Um, ASAP. Otherwise you're going to hemorrhage and bad things happen. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I had and I could see it. And so, you know, you see something like that and you think you're perfectly healthy and then you see that and you're just like, whoa, that's my brain. And so now every time I'm sparring and I'm getting hit in the head, I'm just like, dude, am I, am I slowly killing myself? Like, what am I doing? And so then I'm questioning everything in my life. And of course, this is my life dream and goal to fight for a world title on that level. You know, the kind of opponent that I had to face was like, okay, this is where, you know, you rise to the occasion or uh, it's, you know, it's not meant to be. And then I have all this stress. And then the other part was just, am I even going to get approved to fight? I had no no idea if that was even going to happen. And so I'm going into training every day. Like, I don't even know if this is going to happen. Am I just doing this for no reason? And then I'm taking damage that I don't need to be taking. Well, after four weeks and seeing many, many doctors and finally getting a letter and sending it in, um, I got a letter from a doctor who was very calm about my condition. He had a lot of experience with it and uh, basically said, Hey, there's no there's no data that supports getting hit in the head is going to make it worse. It could change at any time. Um, and because you have no symptoms, there are no treatment, there is no cure. Um, you know, in the locations of my cavernoma, um, there was only one that's a little bigger, but it was in a very safe place. Right. It would be easy low to risk. Yeah, low risk and would be easy to remove if they had to. Um, he basically said, look, just you're going to need to get consistent scans for the rest of your life now. That is what it is. And, uh, with these fights, just do one before, do one after we'll take a look. And as long as there's no issues, you're good. Keep fighting. You're good. And so I'm like, oh, and man, at that moment I'm crying, <laughs> you know, I hug Mauricio. We cry together. Like, yes, we're going to be able to fight Yeah, in two weeks, <laughs> you know, the fights two weeks. And, um, and so going through all that in that moment was so hard. And you're always, I'm just like, why, why, you know? why is this happening now? 
uh, is this, is this it, you know, am, am I going to, you know, I, I was thinking, unfortunately, like Muhammad Ali is amazing inspiration, but at the end of his career, career in life, I mean, I, I had that thought in my head. I don't want to be like right. that. I want to have children. I want to be, I want to have grandchildren. I want to, but, uh, but I knew I, I could not, not do this fight. And so it just took it to another level for me of, I could have given up in that process. I could have um, just said, oh, it's not worth it or whatever. But I knew I worked so hard to get to that stage. And I, I had to challenge myself against someone of that level, that caliber, and go for a world title. That's what we'd worked for years for. I mean, it's basically my whole life. Yeah. And it's your so life's work. It's your, it's your my masterpiece. Teams, and my team's work yeah. too. They had put so much into me. Yeah. And, and you we, were literally going to take the world champion's belt away. I mean, to become that world champion. You have to. Yeah. And then the fight went the way it did. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I like, there are so many moments that which it felt once again, like destiny. I think as fighters, we look for that, right? Mm. We, we look for that extra mojo, that energy that tells us that, we are doing the right thing where we're, where we're supposed to be. And we believe, right. It helps us believe, helps us have confidence. And once I got approved, I got the email that said, you're good to fight. I mean, everything switched in my brain. And I was like, I'm fighting. I'm going to win. It's mine. I'm yeah. going to win. He doesn't want it as much as I want it. You yeah. know what I went through. And it's not as much writing on it as right. it is for you too. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and then just consistent things kept happening. You know, of course my opponent was from Europe and we're fighting in Europe. And it was just like, this is me going to Brazil my whole life as a kid yeah. and everyone's against me, you know, they don't want the gringo to win. And the whole audience, everyone, you know, they're all cheering for him. And, and it was like, this is just what I was meant to do. Yeah. I was made for this you know, this moment and I open up my book and I see every adversity carries with it. The seat of an equivalent advantage right there, right there highlighted. That's you right have to where say I, that one more time. So it went by fast. Yeah. So let it, let it land. No, you're good. Every adversity carries with it the seed of an equivalent advantage. Mm. And <clears throat> that was, I had that, you know, I had the flap in the book. So when I opened it, it went straight to that page and it was highlighted. That was the first thing I saw. I, I think and grow rich from Napoleon right. Hill. I took it, took it with me with all my, for all my fights. Uh, I'd have it in camp and I would look at it backstage before I walked out. Uh, it was right there with my, I had a picture of the Bellator belt in my bag that I carried with me. Um, you know, as soon as I signed to Bellator, I put it in there and, and that was the first thing I saw. And I was like, oh, man, that wasn't, what's going to make me lose the fight. That's what's going to make me win this fight. Mm. You know, you just flip the script, Like That's my advantage, not my disadvantage. And, um, and, and, you know, the fight went the way it went. So powerful, man. Two, two rounds to two yep. came down to the last round. And that was it. Like I knew that like the, the third and fourth round, I wasn't happy. <laughs> I was making mistakes. I got cut. I couldn't see. And yeah, we were, we were, we were watching it actually at the fight for the forgotten offices right. with, with the, yeah, you the held whole party. Team. I still had the video oh, great. of everyone jumping up and celebrating. Yeah. And it still, so if incredible. I watch that to today, it, it, 
still brings tears to me. I love that. We, we were gifted this office and, and we had an actual almost movie screen inside. Uh, it was probably at least 10 feet, if not 12, 15 feet wide. And everyone was there and you came out and you just owned the first two rounds. And, uh, and half of the third. And half of the third. Yeah, for the sure. first 17 and a half minutes were, yeah, were or, or 12 and a half minutes were perfect. Perfect. I mean, it was, it was great. And then, and then you had to come back from adversity. Yeah. Go ahead. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I messed up and I lost position. I landed on bottom and he, he is very skilled in the ground and pound department. One of the best to do it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, he cut me and then I'm bleeding going into the fourth round. I couldn't see. And I actually got poked in my good eye and in the other eye, there's blood in my eye and I couldn't see. And I kind of did this number and then an uppercut snuck in, dropped me. Uh, so fourth round wasn't good, but I survived. And then that fifth round, I don't know. I just had like this, you know, Mauricio, Shanji in my corner telling me and everything was like, this could be the last round I ever fight in my life. Mm. How, how am I going to end it? And I just, I remember walking out to touch gloves for the fifth round and I looked at him right in his eyes and I smiled at him. <laughs> I was just like, let's go. Yeah. One more, one more. And, and I, and, yeah. And I, all of a sudden I, I just had this energy and, uh, and then I'm light on my feet again. I'm moving and I back him up, put him against the cage, took him down. And I didn't even get touched in the last round. Yeah. But walking out, I was telling myself the same thing I tell myself in all my trainings, last round, best round, mm. last round, best round, you know? The last round is my best round. I'm going to finish stronger than I started. Mm. And, um, and that was something that, you know, in all my, all my sparring rounds, conditioning rounds, when I'm on the bike, whatever, um, I would always go for that. You know, I'd always try to finish my last round strong and especially like conditioning stuff where you could actually see how many calories you burned or, or what time you had. I'd always try to get my best time or my best number on that last round. And of course, sparring, if a round didn't go good and it was supposed to be the last round, I might say, Hey, one more round, <laughs> you know? Uh, but I just, yeah, uh, that, that, it, it just felt, I mean, that's how my dad raised me. Um, you know, and all the, the beatings that I took and just kept showing up is it's kind of that vibe, like just keep digging deep, keep going keep going. There's more in there than what you think. You know, you can, you can go further than you think. And, uh, and that was a difference maker a hundred percent. I mean, mm -hmm. it was, we both needed that round. Um, and I just wanted it more than he did. It was beautiful. It was, I think it was my favorite fight to watch. Uh, and it had a, had all the elements. Oh man. It I, was incredible. I never and loving you so much and being there with all your, your, your friends and loved ones and family and just, yeah. All the elements. It's I, like a movie. I had dreamed of having a fight like that. And of course you don't want that to happen just <laughs> randomly. Right. You know, if you, if you're going to be in a fight like that, you want it to be for a world title. Right. And sure enough, that's how it happened, you know? And I mean, my goodness, he had over 50 fights and only lost a handful of times. And it was just my 10th fight. And I'd never been in fourth and fifth rounds. He had done yep. several, several of those, been a champion for many a years. Legend, world champion. organizations. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then all of a sudden there I was in the middle of it. And I was like, this is it, what it was surreal. It was a dream. Yeah. It was a dream, man. So 
to, to wrap it up, maybe we can set it up this way where one, thank you so much. Thank so you. incredibly grateful thank for you, you bro. And I'm proud of you. That. This is amazing. Thank you. I love it. I know how this is your dream, mm. you know, and this is your voice and what, you know, what your, what your purpose is. Yeah. And, uh, I'm just really proud of you and happy to be a part of it. Thank you. Uh, I, I really want this podcast to be one of the most meaningful podcasts in the world that truly impacts people so that they can overcome so right. that they can make this world better Yeah, so that they can fight for people. And, uh, I want people to remember that they've overcome hundred percent of their darkest days. Yeah. And so if we could speak to that person that maybe, maybe let's say pre COVID they were winning those, those first two rounds, maybe now after COVID they've lost two rounds and they feel like they've been, uh, cut over the eye and poked in the other and, and, and they've, they've flinched and they got cut, cut uh, caught with an uppercut and they're heading into this next round, feeling beat up, feeling like, uh, is it going to slip away? Um, can they overcome? Mm-hmm. And maybe they're in a spot right now where they don't have that belief, but they feel it. There's, there's that ember. There's, there is that fire inside, but maybe you can stoke that fire or share some of your belief with them mm-hmm. um, to know that they can do it, to know that they can overcome, to know that they can come back and win this fight that is life. What would you say to that person that's feeling beat up right now or just needs that extra fire? Uh, well, I'll share, I'll share my, my four words. You know my four words that I love to just feel and kind of wrap my head around um, each one specifically giving you different emotions and uh, it helps it helps to dig deep and uh, for me I feel like uh, reconnect to each one of these words and what they mean to you um, and inside of it is your purpose and and there's also don't get me wrong there's also just a bit of just do it like yeah just go you know don't overthink but um, when you need to, the the words, uh, number one, inspired. Mm. All right. What's your inspiration? What is your purpose? You got to tap back into that. Like, what are you doing it for? Why are you, why are you here? Why are you going so hard? Why are you giving so much to this thing? You know, um, remember your dream, remember what brought you there, what got you started? Why are you, you know, doing this to begin with? Tap back into that. Um, for sure it's it's going to have to be a good reason, something powerful and meaningful to you, to your family, to, to the impact that you want to have on the world. Um, but, uh, you, you gotta, you have to be very closely connected to that because when you need the discipline to just, to just do it, to just keep going, you know, it's for that purpose. It has, it has a, a, a deep meaning for you and your life. So your why your inspiration Um, the next one would be grateful gratitude. Remember it's a beautiful and amazing thing just to be alive and have the opportunity to do anything, Yeah, you know, to have a mind, body, soul, spirit, able to try, you know, uh, if, if, if you're just cruising, what are you really doing? You're not experiencing life. You're supposed to experience failures and doubts and tough moments because that makes you stronger. That makes you learn more about yourself. And then it, it makes you um, a more experienced and powerful person to help the others. 
right? If you just get there easily, what's, what's your story? You don't have a good story to share. You know, it, it has to be hard. It's supposed to be hard. So a lot of times it's good to remember that you're exactly doing what you should be doing. This is part of the process, you know, and be grateful for that because it's only going to make the good time sweeter. Yeah. You know, it's only going to make it better. So be grateful for it. Be grateful that you're even going for it, that you have this opportunity, whatever it is. And I guarantee there's some people around you that are believing in you and supporting you and giving you love. Do it for them. Be grateful for them, you know, and uh, gratitude. You know, what's the the saying? It's it's the the virtue that is the foundation for all other virtues, mm. right? Like if you are really, truly grateful for life and your being, uh, everything else you're going to, is going to fall into place. You know, you're going to be inspired. You're going to, you're going to work hard. You're going to be positive and good to others because you're grateful at all times, you know? So good. So inspired, grateful, confident, Mm. keep believing. If you're working hard and you're giving your best, if it doesn't happen now, that's okay. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Just keep going, keep going. Uh, of course, as a competitor or a fighter, uh, we have to be confident. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's to a fault. That's why you see guys fight too long into their career. Uh, a lot of people think that's because of money, but I believe that it's because they're they have the warrior spirit. Yeah, they never stop believing in themselves. Right, they believe that they still can. I can still be the best. You know, but if you're in a fight and you're not confident, there's consequences. There's consequences. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Life's a fight, so be confident. Be confident. Be confident. Be confident you're doing what you're meant to do. Hmm. And then stay happy. Yeah. Happy. Keep smiling. You know, like uh, if you are living your passion, you're living a good life. And, uh, you know, maybe you look around, you see someone that has has everything. They're more stable, comfortable, whatever. But uh, but they're not happy because they're not living for purpose. I mean, not to say they aren't. Perfect. The ideal way would be to have both, you know, it comes together in that way where your passion does make you financially comfortable. Um, but, um, but just remember to, to smile, uh, I think is important, you know, and that's where gratitude comes in. If you're grateful, you'll stay happy. You can take your losses and just smile and say, well, now I'm better because of it. I've learned from it. And at the end of the day, I still did what I loved. And so I'm happy for this life, you know, and I know how that is. I I'm one of my own, um, faults, so to speak is, um, I can put too, too much weight. I can get a little too heavy and I put too much on one thing and said, Oh, I, I, I have to win this or I have to do this. Uh, otherwise it's not going to lead to the next thing. And then I forget to be happy and just enjoy it. And I kind of close up and I don't, maybe give all my best or open up my game and go for it. Um, and then I look back and I said, man, I wasn't, I didn't enjoy it enough. I was Mm. too, I was too stressed, you know, and having a little bit of that lightheartedness can go a long way, um, with allowing you to just perform. Yeah. You know, I love it, man. I love it. Well, because you're in my life, I am more inspired. I am incredibly grateful. I'm more confident. And I smile because you've inspired me a lot too. You've inspired me so much. Everyone, everyone that's around you and, and knowing, uh, you know, how you live for purpose Mm. and, um, and, uh, 
your heart, you know, you take it upon yourself to put um, so many things into your heart uh, for the betterment of the whole world. And I mean, that's just, that's powerful. It's wow. powerful. Thank you, brother. I think this is going to help some people. I think it's powerful. I hope so. I'm also, uh, I, it was just great, man. I love you so much. And I'm also inspired and grateful and confident and happy because Amy, my producer over there. <laughs> so I love those four words. And one person I wanted to acknowledge real quick is Colton because uh, it's his last day here soon. And um, thank you, Colton, so much. Uh, you're the man. Uh, you've made this show better. So you've inspired me. You've uh, made me more grateful. Thank you. I'm grateful for everything you've done for me. You've made me confident in releasing these episodes. I'm just so grateful that you've been the engineer on the show and uh, it makes me happy. So thank you, brother. Love you, man. Uh, he, he won't be with us long, but he's going on to bigger and better things. Awesome. Young gun. And uh, I love you, brother. Thank love you so you much for being thank here. You. I want everyone to check out uh, your website again. And Instagram, if you can share that with everyone, I'll do that also in the intro and outro. Yes. Yeah, so uh, Instagram at Lovato, J-R-B-J-J. So Lovato, L-O, just like Demi. <laughs> there you just, go. Just like Demi. Lovato, Demi Lovato Junior, uh, yeah. BJJ. Yeah. And then on there, I have a link tree so they can find my school, um, yeah. uh, you know, other other videos and stuff. Like, right. yeah, I have instructional videos uh, and also a, a Stay tuned for a book that's in the making. Uh, he's not announcing it quite yet, but uh, he's, got he's working do, on it. He's working I, on it. It's going to be I'm incredibly great. To get he's inspired. Done. You are going to be inspired. I hope you're inspired by this podcast. Thank you for being with us. Remember, you have overcome 100% of your darkest days. And now, just like this man across from me, go out and shine your light, share your knowledge and your inspiration with the world. That's it. Thanks, Thank brother. you. Thank yeah. you. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it. Hey, don't forget to send your overcome stories to overcomepodcast at gmail.com. And also rate, review, subscribe, and follow Overcome with Justin Wren.